0: You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Would please open your Bibles to Colossians, Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. This is God's Word. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open a door to us for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are, are, and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas' cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. These alone, of the circumcised, are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Heropolis. Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas send you greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. After this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you've received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you." May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Let me say at the outset of this message that I intend, God willing, to take what is just shy of a full chapter and cover it in two chapel messages. Um, Normally, you might think, well, there's not a lot there. Actually, there is a ton in this passage. And uh, as I prayed about how to wrap it up and kind of do the whole thing uh, together, I felt like, no, I'm supposed to do part of it today, and next time, the other part. I'll give you a preview of the other part. It deals with one of the individuals named here and uh, his relationship with the Apostle Paul. There's actually more than one named here that we could do a whole message on, but um, we're going to zero in on one of them next time and talk about him at length. Now then, beginning in verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer. Just let that sink in. What are you devoted to? What are you dedicated to? Have you ever known someone who was really devoted to a sport? Whether it was football or running or baseball, ice skating. But here's the bottom line. You're going to be devoted to something. There are people who are devoted to television programs. I mean, they are so into it; they can tell you about all the characters and the cast. You know who played this role, and did you know that that role was originally played in another version of this thing by so and so? I mean, they're just totally into it. Some people are devoted to gaming because I mean, it's it's this game just becomes. Something you're consumed with. You're just so invested in it. Particular game that takes over your life. You know what God says? We ought to be devoted to our relationship with Him. And that's what prayer is about. Prayer is not just some discipline that we engage in. Okay, now it's time to pray. Every now and then my wife will ask me, "Um, was there something you wanted? And my answer is, I just wanted to be with you. The reason I came in the room was not because I was hoping to change the channel or whatever. It's just to be with my wife. Because I love her. And the reason we should be devoted to prayer, which is communicating with God, is because we love him. And therefore, it is the most natural thing in the world, to want to talk with Him. Not just to talk to Him, but to talk with Him. When you pray, is it a one-sided conversation? Do you just talk to God and then go on your way? Or do you spend time pouring out your heart to Him And listening for what God would say to you as he calls to your mind what he has already spoken in his word. As he impresses you with what he would have you to do about a matter. I love, absolutely love the place in the Gospels where Jesus says, the fields are white unto harvest. They're ripe. But the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers. Okay? He tells his disciples, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers. So we presume they prayed. But the next verse is, Jesus said to them, go. <laughs> he sent them out. Here they're saying, oh Lord, please. Because they've been told to by Jesus. Oh Lord, please send forth laborers. And God answered their prayer by sending them. Be devoted to prayer. Be devoted to prayer. Make that, communing with God, the thing you're devoted to. Well, can we still be really into Athletics, Yeah, sure. But your relationship with the Lord should be far more important to you than any athletics. Whatever it is that you're engaged in, do it all for the glory of God. We already saw that earlier in Paul's letter to the Colossians, and it's in the Scriptures repeatedly. Whatever you're doing, it should be for God's glory. So, be devoted to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Why does he say stay alert in it? How many of you here have ever found your mind wandering while you were praying? Yeah. Okay. Apparently, this is an old problem. This is something having to do with the nature of humans and prayer. Have you ever found your mind wandering while you were talking to somebody else? Okay? Do you ever ask a question and then while they're answering, you're thinking about something else? And then you think, oh my goodness, what did they say? And that's just human nature. He's saying be devoted to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. One of the best ways to stay focused as you're talking with the Lord is to have an attitude of gratitude, thanking him for the various things he's done in your life. It's amazing how your perspective will shift and your outlook will get a lot happier if you begin to focus on, what do I need to thank God for? Now just pause. What do you need to thank God for? Uh, 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 What's the answer you're looking for? How about everything? In everything, give thanks. Okay, so in everything, regardless of how bad it is, give thanks. Well, that's not all. Give thanks for everything. Really, is that in there? Yes. Well, how can I give thanks for something that goes wrong? What's kind of the worst evil act that people have ever done? How about killing the only person who's ever been perfect? And yet we call it Good Friday because God took that and made it the means by which we are saved. It was done through the evil actions of wicked people and yet God was the one who was at work fulfilling his plan from before the creation of the world. So whatever's going on in your life, I love the Cory ten Boom story where she found it hard to believe that everything was for their good. Her sister, Betsy, kept insisting, yes, it's all for our good. And when they got to the concentration camp and they were being herded into the barrack where they would sleep. And where they would live, it was so infested with fleas that they just covered the people with bites, adding insult to injury. And Corey asked her sister, even the fleas, Betsy? Even the fleas? And Betsy said, yes, even the fleas. We thank God. And do you know what they found? I've told you this story before. The fleas were so bad that the guards would not come into the barracks. And as a result, though they had physical misery, they were able to have a ministry to the women in that barracks and share the gospel with them and share the scriptures that they had smuggled in. Because even the fleas were used by God for good. Betsy didn't survive the concentration camp. But Corey did, and she told that story again and again. Because whatever you're going through, you need to be thanking God, and that's a good way to stay alert and to stay focused, is to be meditating on what has God done for me. Well, He rescued me from hell. I was headed for destruction, and God reached down and saved me. And everything else on top of that, my food, air to breathe, lungs that work, a heart that beats, for all that He's done for you, and you'll never run out of things to talk with Him about. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations. I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to please help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be part of the miracle. Wvr.org. Please help us help these children. To step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that we may get out of prison. Know what he says? No. He says, pray that God may open a door for us for the word. A door to us for the word. To speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So that I may make it known as I should. Paul says, my desire, if you want to pray for me, is that God would help me to be effective in ministry. And then he says, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. If you really walk with God, there will be a sense of those who are us and those who are outsiders. I think we just need to be more inclusive. I just think we need to make everybody welcome and just not, you know, not have any kind of boundaries. Well, you're nuts. Okay? Don't say that. That was a rude thing to say. Are you setting up a boundary? Are you saying this is okay and this is not okay? Is that what you're doing? If you disapprove of my saying that we need to have boundaries then you're having boundaries. You understand? It is sheer folly. It is total dishonesty to say we just need to open up and have everybody welcome coming and going, etc. No. Is this about a border wall? No, 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 no. It's much, much, much bigger than that. Okay? This is about how Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, described our need for wisdom in the way that we deal with outsiders. Okay, this is just making me a little nervous because I'm I'm uncomfortable with these kinds of distinctions. Well, just read the book, okay? Act wisely toward outsiders. It doesn't say act mean to outsiders. It says, make the most of the time. Focus on the reality and treat people according to the need. One example of this is when Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he says, when you're conducting your worship services, be sensitive to the fact that there are going to be people who don't know the Lord, outsiders, who are going to come and if you're behaving this way, they're going to think you're crazy. And it's going to discredit the truth of the gospel. But if you behave this way, they're going to recognize the Lord is in this place. And they'll be convicted of their sin and drawn to him. Folks, he's simply asking us to act wisely. Making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it means let your speech always be gracious. If grace shapes whatever you say, it is like putting salt on food, which not only preserves food, but it is used to enhance the flavor. If, if you... Now, some of you are going to disagree with me on this, but you're just wrong. <laughs> if you go to taste some food and what you taste is salt, that's too much salt. Okay? If you use the right amount of salt, what you taste is the food. And you taste the food more and it tastes better... And you want more of it because of the salt. Okay? Salt has that effect. Did you know that there is salt in chocolate chip cookies? Why would you put salt in something sweet? Because it actually enhances the sweetness. I understand that there are those who disagree because we try to lower our sodium not have too much of it in our diet and it's healthier for you if you don't have salt everywhere but in your speech you need to have salt okay it needs to be seasoned your speech needs to be seasoned with grace it needs to be preserved from rottenness don't let your speech be rotten Let it be flavorful so that you may know how you should answer each person. When you're talking to people, realize that not everybody should get the same response. Not everybody should be given the same answer. Jesus waited until after Lazarus died to go even though his presence had been requested. Lazarus was dying. His sisters were concerned. They sent word to Jesus. They knew Jesus loved Lazarus and them. And so they sent for him and he waited because he only did what the Father told him to do. And when he showed up, Martha met him. And she said this to Jesus. And Jesus answered her, this way when Mary came out and talked to Jesus she said the exact same thing that Martha had said word for word the exact same thing and so Jesus answered Mary the exact same way he answered Martha word for word right no You look at that story and you see Jesus responding to two sisters completely differently when they had both said the same thing to him. Why? Because Jesus knew what each one needed. And you and I are supposed to let our speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that we might in dealing with outsiders and with others, know how we should answer each person. It's not the same for everybody. I say things to you all here in chapel that sometimes make people uncomfortable because it's just, I can't, I can't believe he said that. I, I don't understand it. Why would he say that? I mean, I'm, I just don't get it. Well, it's because over time, I'm trusting that you'll begin to follow my Thought. It doesn't always happen at the start. I've had people come up to me when I've preached various places and they say, I really liked what you said, but at one point I wanted to laugh out loud. And I say, well, I wish you had, but I want you to understand that I'm, I'm sharing with you things that I would not say to everybody else hoping that in the context of life together in this community, you learn how to understand, how to process. Jesus sometimes said things that drove people away. And the classic example is when Jesus saw a large crowd was following him, but their hearts weren't with him. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And the crowd went, okay. And they left. They abandoned him. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, are you going to go too? Did Jesus just not control himself well? Was he speaking out of turn? Or did Jesus say exactly what the Father told him to say? Jesus disciple Peter said to him Lord where would we go you alone have the words of life let me tell you something I'm a very imperfect person but I am giving everything I've got to try and point you to the one who is perfect cuz he's really perfect and if something about me is troublesome to you please look past the dirt on the window pane and see the view look at Jesus he will never lead you astray trust in him you've been listening to abiding in Christ if you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make i want to invite our listeners to call 866 866- 41 Abide, that's our toll free number, 866 41 Abide, or contact us on the web at WVR.org.